You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. And a very warm welcome back to Solidarity Breakfast. A left response to the major developments in capitalism. What they trade in is not wheat. They trade in famine. A little dose of revolutionary optimism. I think it's really important to sort of express solidarity globally. It really is a deal by corporations for corporations. The union forever defending our rights down with the black If you think the ABC's left wing, don't listen to this program. Solidarity Breakfast, 7.30 to 9am Saturdays, 3CR, 8.55am streaming and 3CR digital, podcast or audio on demand. And of course, the website, solidaritybreakfast.org.au. Solidarity forever! Good morning, everybody. This is Annie for Solidarity Breakfast, and what a great program that was for Stick Together. Great to get the ins and outs about the fight for um, right at uh, our... Public universities, big battle that. Um, uh, Today we're going to uh, have a look at a variety of things. We're going to find out about the um, AMWU action out at... um, Graphic Packaging Worldwide. There's been a lot of uh, different um, uh, strike actions going on in uh, different uh, places in Melbourne. There's one in Yarraville from uh, some of the uh, CFMEU workers at uh, CSR Giprock. Uh, <clears throat> AMWU um, workers at Ramset Reed who were locked out. Um, a variety of stuff happening uh, and this is all around EBAs, and we're going to talk to some of the AMWU organisers around um, the uh, uh, graphic packaging worldwide event uh, um, actions that are going on at the moment. Because uh, actually, what's going on for them is uh, similar to a whole lot of workers' um, experiences, big companies making lots of profits. Uh, and squeezing their employees on a very base rate uh, pay and conditions and uh, being pushed around further and further. Anyway, we're going to find out a little bit more about that. Uh, We're going to uh, catch up with Giles from the Collingwood Community Gardeners. There's been a few things happening in that sphere as uh, the poor old community, uh, Collingwood Community Gardeners are being pushed around by the... It uh, uh, seems ridiculous to have uh, the uh, Collingwood um, Children's Farm Committee pushing the community uh, gardeners around, but uh, this is a big, uh, important thing that's going on for the community as well as... Uh, the use of community assets to further the ambitions of social enterprises dressed up as uh, good guys. Uh, Pretty um, important to try and stymie this sort of behaviour, I reckon. Um, So we're going to find out a little bit more about that. Kevin's going to uh, round up the week. This is the week that was. I went off to the uh, Human Rights Rally uh, last night, 6.30, outside the Park Hotel. We've got uh, some snippets from that. 
And then we're going to hear from uh, Shirley Winton uh, about the big rally today at uh, 1pm outside the uh, State Library. It's uh, part of uh, a weekend of um, Australian rallies. It's around um, the uh, call for the end of uh, the push for... um, the AUKUS deal. So it's uh, all across the country, no AUKUS, no war, no nuclear submarines. There's going to be a really big list of really interesting speakers. The Dave Sweeney from the ACF, the Australian Conservation Foundation, is going to be the MC. Scott Ludlam's going to be talking. Jenny uh, Grounds from the Medical Association for Prevention of War. Dave Sweeney himself is going to be talking. Colin Long from the Victorian Trades Hall Council. Dave Ball our mate from the uh, Maritime Union of Australia, and it goes on and on. So uh, very uh, important to have you there outside the State Library at 1pm, and we'll find out a little bit more about it from Shirley. Uh, Before we uh, get on with the program, uh, there's some pretty terrible news coming out of uh, England uh, around uh, Julian Assange, the US wins appeal against London Court's decision not to extradite Julian Assange, but of course his legal team is going to appeal. Uh, It's uh, pretty outrageous stuff. Um, On Friday, Judge Holroyd said uh, he was satisfied with the package of assurances provided by the US, including that he would not be, uh, Julian would not be subjected to, in inverted commas, special administrative measures strict detention conditions which prevent contact with the outside world or that he would be held at the federal ADX Supermax prison and col- uh, in Colorado. Now, you remember that uh, the reason for given for why he shouldn't uh, be extradited was because he was a suicide risk, not because uh, the, he was uh, being charged on dubious charges or that he... Uh, the evidence was taken from dubious witnesses who were found to be um, un, uh, unsubstantiated claims coming from the USA. Uh, no, no, it was decided that uh, that he wouldn't uh, be allowed to be extradited because uh, the conditions would be too onerous and his life was at stake, not on evidence that these people have not actually proven a case. So now that it's moved on to being all about his welfare, uh, now they're looking at it and they're saying, ah, well, you know, actually the US have said that um, we're not going to be so mean to him and uh, even though... Uh, the charges that we want uh, to slap him with um, will hold, will give him 175 years in detention, which is a ludicrous amount, of course. Now they're saying that um, oh, it will probably be only between three and six years. So, of course, what they're saying is that, oh, don't be silly, we sh- you should extradite him. Now, of course, anybody who's had anything to do with any of these kind of tugs of war knows perfectly well that as soon as you let go the grip of uh, the rope, against this tyranny um, because you think that it's not going to be quite so bad. Uh, It's just a cascade of dreadfulness. So they are going to appeal. Um, uh, After the verdict was called, the people outside the court uh, chanted, shame on you. 
And some embraced and consoled each other and told the media, we will keep fighting, this isn't over. Bravo them. Outrageous stuff. Poor old, it was a terrible, terrible, terrible decision in my view. Um, there's a, just a slight um, an interesting uh, movement on the uh, campaign to get a, a anti-Murdoch campaign, a local one, that uh, is uh, calling for a Royal Commission into the lack of diversity, media diversity in Australia. Um, there was an announcement that the uh, uh, Senate has recommended that Parliament call a judicial inquiry with the powers of a Royal Commission into media diversity. Now, the spokesman, Sally Rugg, for the campaign the AFMRC um, are uh, calling for a royal commission into Murdoch uh, has uh, rightly pointed out that this is a good step, but of course that governments can try to ignore Senate recommendations and that they doubt that Prime Minister Morrison can be relied on to call Murdoch to account without pressure. So the campaign continues. They're asking for people to contribute financially or to distribute their message across the social medias because the fight is on. Uh, Anyway, uh, that's it for a little bit of a, a roundup of important news. Uh, before we get on to the issue of uh, striking workers, uh, we'll hear a little bit of music.
listening to Radical Radio 3CR. And you're back with Annie. And hopefully we've got our fellas on the line. Hello. Good morning. G'day, Annie. How are you? Yeah, good. I was getting the wind and I thought, oh, my God, it didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for uh, talking to us this morning. Uh, You're from the AMWU and uh, we've got Tony Piccolo on the line and we've got Lachlan Mullins. Now, Lachlan, you in particular are the uh, organiser for the uh, graphics packaging worldwide employees. How did it all happen? Yeah, good day, Annie. That's right. Uh, So we began negotiating with uh, Graphic Packaging International uh, back in about May this year, uh, and things have just progressively uh, taken us towards uh, our members taking taking on protected action, taking strike action, and we've been out for entering our fourth week coming on Monday. Oh, that's big. That's big. So it's obviously incredibly serious for the uh, the workers. Uh, I mean, it takes a lot of uh, guts and uh, courage to uh, decide that, that you know you're going to down tools. Uh, what are the big uh, key issues? Uh, look, Annie, I think probably the best way to describe the dispute uh, would be the number one issue on the table for members is respect. Um, and then, obviously, not too far behind that is um, fair wages and conditions. Uh, so that ranges from everything from clauses that protect their, their enterprise agreement um, and enshrine their rights and... and Things like uh, casual conversion to help help get people full time full time work, um, and 
and wages that are going you know, to take them off, you know, the poverty line. I think we've got members, about 50 of them there, getting paid $22.46 an hour, which is pretty disgusting considering the business has got a CEO that makes uh, millions of dollars. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, this is becoming a common theme, isn't it, that these were these uh, uh, companies, I mean, not just this particular company, where they're getting paid large amounts of money while people are on, on uh, the breadline almost, they offered them 45 cents and refused to look at uh, the uh, any other log of claims. Yeah, that's right, uh, that's right. And, look, our members of... Um uh, had mass, mass meetings pretty much every day at about 12pm down on the site and uh, we got to a point where uh, members are just fed up so we obviously extended uh, the, the strike action to indefinitely now so we're out there pretty much 24 hours a day, 5 days a week at the moment and obviously got overtime bands on as well so people are taking a huge hit before Christmas um, but one of the logs I thought was um, really admirable that was added to the table was also to um, hold the company accountable for their operations um, on you know, Indigenous land. So members are looking to have a Indigenous flag erected on the site and um, well, the company hasn't had any interest in coming to the table to discuss that option with us either. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? So is it a local company or is it an overseas company? Uh, well, uh, Tony can probably speak better to this um, than what I can, but from my um, research, we're looking at a company that's owned by Americans, um, behaves like Americans, and uh, obviously has disappeared from the ASX in, a, in what we perceive to be a bit of a tax avoidance situation. Uh, what would be your view, Tony? Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, this was a family-owned business, They've been around for a long time and have ground the workers into submission for a very long time. They have an ex-AIG lawyer that uh, runs the negotiations. She's paid an extraordinary amount of money um, to keep these workers, as Lachlan said, on the poverty line um, with little say and little rights, and they're simply fed the line, take it, or you get nothing. I think the negotiation started off with the company offering them 0.5 and we want to come after some award conditions to uh, the latest, yeah, with the latest offer, which, you know, is a measly 45 cents. So um, it's pretty extraordinary that these guys have finally um, chosen to have a dip. And, and to be fair, Annie, it's in response to them being locked out by the company for them uh, daring to put 10-minute bands on pieces of equipment um, and various other bands just to keep the actions alive, and the company said, well, if you're going to do those bands, we're going to lock you up for, 10, for 10, those 10 minutes. Um, and then when they took some industrial action, I think it was a day stoppage, the company said, well, we're going to lock you out the following day, which then, um, in response, the workers said, well, we're going to... We're going to stay out then. So um, that's where it's sort of led us to today. Well, you know, it's it's an example of uh, negotiation in inverted commas, really, isn't it? It's really class warfare, isn't it? <laughs> well, you, you couldn't sum it up anymore because this company paid $1.45 billion in cash, not in a loan, but in cash for another business. And when you're talking the difference of a 45-cent pay rise equaling 2.2%, 2 
versus, you know, um, for those really low-paid workers, uh, $0.95 cents equals 4%. Um, that's not going to send a company that was able to pay $1.45 billion uh, to the wall. So this is more about control, power, and the inequity of the, of the current system and just keeping these poor guys... Uh, on the bare bread line. And I think it's important to note, I was talking to a, uh, a, one of our members out there, and uh, I believe that there's some elements of racism to it too. He's been there for 13 years, running a machine that some other guys run. He's on the $22.46, and they're on $6 and $8 more than him an hour. Um, and when I found that out, or when we found that out, I was, I was disgusted to say the least. So, so you're saying that he, because he comes from a different ethnic background from an Anglo, he's been paid less? Well, I'd like them to explain for any other reason why that wouldn't be the case. Oh, yeah, God. It? It's just pathetic, isn't it? So, But even, even the fact that they're paying people who are doing different, the same job, a different rate, is, is a cancer in our working system, isn't it? It is, and it's a reflection um, on union power in a side, you know. And and this is, um, you know, at our at, where people have flex their muscle and build union power, these sort of things don't occur in a good EBA. Um, and that's where finally these guys are saying enough is enough, and we've got nothing else to lose. But it's really hard for working families so close to Christmas. Um, you can imagine on and that sort of money, life's already not, you know, a walk in the park. Um, and, you know, it, it's heart lift, uh, uplifting as well as, um, you know, just beautiful to watch the community and these guys growing in stature and the realisation what this is actually about, you know. Yeah, because there's about 100 people, aren't there, that, that this is uh, affecting at graphic parking, uh, packaging worldwide. Um, uh, what's the union coverage? So there's about 202 uh, employees that work at the site um, and about 122 members, um, 90 of which are participating in the protective action um, strike. Um but of, of that 202, I think there, there's probably about 20 to 20 to 30 or so that aren't covered by membership. So we're sitting at about 65, 7% uh, density. Does it look like um, some of the other workers might actually uh, uh, come to support their compatriots? Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, probably within the first week uh, of the indefinite strike action, uh, we've had people from the casual labour hire agency join up um, to support. We've had uh, many people turn around and go home um, who realise that... They're uh, not going to cross the picket line. Picket line. Yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously there's been a, a, a few people that have found for different reasons that they felt they needed to cross the picket line, which is never a good idea, but nonetheless we're still growing through the dispute. Um, and I think that that's, that speaks to the issue around the number one problem being respect, because you wouldn't believe it, or maybe you would, um, those of us who've been around long enough. Um, for those who, who are working on the site, uh, they were pulled together by the uh, big boss dog, the manager, um, and abused for not working hard enough and not producing enough when they're working with you know, about 30% staffing on the site. So, even though they're working 
overtime and extra hours, and I, I guess you could say we've got little sympathy for them because they're scabbing, but such is the way these things go sometimes. Oh, that's so appalling. It's so appalling. It's so Deca- uh, Dickensian, you know what I mean? Like, let, let's go Let's go back to a smaller box. How, how, how small a box can you fit into? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Now, there's an... Uh, um, how, how long have people been working for that company, Lachlan? Uh, look, we've got members there who, through uh, amalgamations of businesses, uh, would put them, having worked at GPI, with businesses that created GPI for upwards of about 40 years in some cases. Um, so quite, quite a lot of experience, um, a lot of dedication and loyalty to uh, the business. And I guess that's that's why we're seeing such a, a hard line of having enough. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. And and before I let you go, um, Ramset Reed is also a, a group of workers that are um, being uh, uh, squashed, aren't they? Also in Brayside and also AMWU workers. Um, Tony, you want to speak to that? Uh, sorry, I missed the question. Ramset yeah, Reed. Ramset Reed is also another group of workers that are also uh, uh, having problems with their EBA, and they're also from Brayside, and they're also AMWU workers, and they've also been locked out, haven't they? Yes, that's correct, Annie. Um, they just managed to secure a deal this oh, week. Bravo. Yep. Yeah, bravo, and uh, they were happy with their deal, and uh, they got some, some improvements to that deal, and um, their back pay was on the table, an increase to their uh, wage offer, as well as sign-on bonus. So the members chose to accept that, um, and uh, we're, we're happy that they uh, were successful in their struggle. And it's, it's uh, incredulous that actually Ramset are one of the customers of uh, GPI. Ah, yeah. Okay, so this is a, this harbours uh, well for the GPI workers to keep put pressing on, right? Yeah, and look, it's important to note that um, these strike action is having significant impact on the production out of that factory. That the HR manager on the uh, you know about one hundred and fifty bucks an hour has been uh, sweating it on the back of a machine, stacking it um, and packing it. So, uh, you know, she got a taste of what it's like for, you know, what those guys would be paid 23 bucks an hour for. She's doing it 150 So the actions are having significant uh, disruption to production. But in saying that, and we know that there's most likely the company's listening to this, um, we have sent many correspondents right through our... Um, throughout the whole time to say we are willing to sit down and have a chat. They're saying to us, while, we're, while the workers are on strike, uh, they refuse to meet. We, uh, through our international arm of our union, Uni Global, we managed to get on to the global CEO who's on nine million bucks a year and they've said that they will uh, instruct the Australian counterpart to meet with us. Now, we're waiting for that meeting. It hasn't happened yet. Um, although we're not uh, holding our breath that they're going to come with any more than uh, the measly offer they're offering now. And it's an example of how these big cats make their living. They make their living out of the work of and the sweat of the people in on the factory floor. Yeah, no doubt about it. 
And if I could also add, uh, and, he, and it comes back to a comment you made a little bit earlier uh, about um, a class issue, I think the reason this dispute has um, been such a great experience for our members, albeit a tough one, is um, because people, uh, members recognise now when they're looking at these problems, they're looking at it through a class lens, um, they're, they're, they're able to get a perception of the true colours that you see from from management when you really uh, take back your your factory and have a say about your wages and conditions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we'll put up on the. Uh, uh, you, you want uh, what can the public do? They can come out there and support members. Yep, definitely. Uh, so the strike uh, runs from Monday to Friday at the moment, 24 hours a day, down at 63 to 73 Woodlands Drive, Brayside. Um, and package, uh, packaging in terms of product that you'll recognise so people can make decisions on their consumption um, include things like the boxes that Coke come in, uh, all of your alcohol and soft drink, um, and meat trays that, that come in cardboard from Woolworths, uh, and also any of the cardboard cups and containers that uh, ice cream come in. Ah, right, OK. All right, and uh, we'll put on the uh, uh, podcast uh, their bank account for uh, con- contributions to help people because, of course, we're leading into Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that would be really great. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, and it's vitally important, guys, if you could, you know, see a way to making a... A Christmas donation. These guys, you know, some of them are single parents, um, uh, wondering where their, you know, Christmas lunch is going to come from and, and presents. And it it really makes all the world a difference to these guys to keep them out on the line. Yeah. So any little bit helps, and we'd really appreciate it. Thanks for talking to me this morning. Thanks Thank very much for having us.
3CR Community Radio, giving voice to the community since 1976. Calling all filmmakers, the 9th Annual Setting Sun Film Festival wants your film. Enter a short or a feature-length film for the chance to see your work up on the gorgeous Sun Theatre screen in Yarraville. The Sun Theatre was voted one of the most beautiful theatres in the world with up to $10,000 in prizes for winners. Entries close on the 31st of January 2022. Go to settingsun.com.au and enter your film now. The Setting Sun Film Festival is a 3CR supporter. Coming up at the Nightcap, Better Late, running till 3am every Friday and Saturday, featuring the best local and international bands and DJs, including Zeitgeist Freedom Energy Exchange, Gypsy Brown with Tando, Spasta with Adriana and Odd Mob. Domingo Latino Sundays with La Influencia and Calle Luna. Upcoming shows including Art vs. Science, ModCon, I Know Leopard and more. For info and tickets, head to thenightcat.com.au. A 3CR supporter. There's people, like you said, have been on casual for seven years. Well, it's supposed to be casual employment. People want full-time jobs. They don't want to be sitting there casual, not knowing they're going to get any any days, any leave or whatsoever. Especially, you look at all the casuals in the, our industry at the moment, they're sitting home. You know, People want full-time employment and they, sh- they should be entitled to That's full-time right. employment. And look at all the people who were used and abused as casuals in the aged care sector and all the problems that are facing people now and all the deaths that are following. And the meat works, a lot of that's casuals, labour hire, you know, we've got blokes travelling around, you know. We want full-time positions and, you know, that's... And people want it. We want to be full-time employed. You want them to have your Christmas holidays. You want to have time with your family. But when you're a casual, you get none of that. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio. Last night or yesterday was uh, Human Rights Day and, um, of course, Human Rights Day should be every day, but it's a particular uh, day to actually reflect on this. And uh, the uh, supporters for refugee rights were at uh, Lincoln Square, which is just beside the Park Hotel where there's 35 remaining refugees being held in um, detention. Uh, they uh, listened from their high, um, from the uh, top floors of the uh, Park Hotel, looking down while uh, there was uh, music, speeches, poetry and uh, a general show of uh, support for their rights. Um, anyway, I uh, took some... Um, 
uh, here are some snippets from that particular event. Uh, there were a lot of things happened. Uh, but uh, this is Arnie Zabel, uh, Arnold Zabel, who is a very well-known writer and uh, advocate for refugees. He, of course, his uh, parentage, he, they came here after the Second World War, fleeing from the uh, uh, nastiness that went on there. Uh, so he holds it dear, uh, people's human rights in regards to refugee rights uh, in particular. Anyway, this is what he had to say, uh, and we'll follow it with a song from Taik, who is a man who is, he's actually a, um, uh, a UWU um, uh, worker um, uh, amongst people. Uh, people uh, who are um, working in regional areas. Uh, he is an Asari and he he's on a, a, a protection visa in Australia and his speech was actually about um, how people who... There's about 30 or 35,000 people who are on protection visas who do not... You know, they work, they pay tax, they but they don't have the same rights as... Uh, Australian citizens in general, uh, and this goes on for years and years and years. Uh, in his actual uh, other life, uh, he is actually a, a world-renowned musician, and he gave us a song. Um, so we'll hear from Arnie Sable first, and then we'll hear the song. On Human Rights Day, we are bearing witness to a brutal and ongoing injustice committed in our name against innocent people who are in the ninth year of their imprisonment. People who courageously sought a new life free of oppression for themselves and their families, their basic human rights, and instead have been shunted from prison to prison, from Christmas to Manus Island and Nauru to prisons within prisons. And now, after all this time, some remain imprisoned here in the Park Hotel in Carlton and in Mitre Prison in Broadmeadows and elsewhere. People who were medevac to Australia to be treated for wounds of both the mind and the body and instead have been driven to the point of madness. On Human Rights Day, as we hold our vigil, I wish to recall the names of the 13 men who have died in Australia's offshore prisons on Nauru and Manus for murder, medical neglect, suicide or accident. People in the prime of their lives who died far from their families, who set out on dangerous journeys with a dream of freedom and instead died in exile. Reza Baraki, Faisal Shigami, Hamid Kahazai, Hamid Samshiripur, Faisal Ishak Ahmed, Kamil Hussain, Rajiv Rajendra, Salim Tioni, Omid Masumali, Rakib Khan, Sayyid Ibrahim Hussain, Fahi Bos Karami, and Jahinga. In, nine, in 2017, I asked the writer, poet, and journalist Fabrice Bachandi then still in exile on Manus Island, about the deaths. And he posted this extraordinary lament for two of the men, Reza Barak and Fah 
Shigani. It is a lament of three mothers for their lost sons, including Beirut's mother, who all come from the same area in the mountains of Kurdistan. Beirut writes, My mother, Razor's mother, and Faisal's mother are crying together. Faisal's village is near Razor Barati. Their villages are beside a river and a high, high mountain. My home is near their home. There is only a mountain between us, a mountain and a river between our homes. My mother climbed up the mountain today and went to Faisal's mother's home. My mother, Razor's mother, and Faisal's mother are crying together. I heard Samari River is crying with them. Under Faisal's village is one of the most ancient and oldest cities in the world. It is called Sirwan. They are crying on the oldest city for Razor and Faisal. I heard that all of Kurdistan's beautiful mountains are crying. All of Sirwan is crying. Mountain, river, wild flowers. All of Sirwan is crying with our mothers. I hear the oldest songs the mothers are singing in Ilam City, Sirwan and Kurdistan. I hear their voices crying from this manor's prison. I hear the oldest song from the mothers. It is called Moa. Moa is a song for brave sons. Faisal and Reza were brave sons. They fought for their lives with the Australian government and the dark ocean. When I was in Kurdistan, many times I climbed up that highest mountain. There are the oldest oak trees there. I hear the oak trees are crying too. My heart is so heavy because I heard the deepest sorrowful moor from my mother today. I have never heard a moor like this moor that raises Faisal and my mother are singing. This is Kurdish culture. We are born by song, live by song, fight by song and die by song. I feel the deepest sorrow because of Faisal's death. He deserves the deepest moor song. My heart is heavy because I am crying and listening to more for my best friend in a prison on the remotest island in the world. I always think about the more my mother will sing for me when I die. I thought that song would be sung in beautiful Kurdistan. I am sure Reza and Faisal thought like me, but their lives were taken in remote places, not in Kurdistan. They lost their lives because of injustice. They lost their lives in a foreign land. Who was there when their lives were taken? My mother, Razor's mother, and Faisal's mother are together singing the deepest moor. Later, I asked Beirut the following question. His extraordinary answer, despite it all, gives us hope and keeps our faith in humanity. I asked Beirut, you say that four years after leaving Iran, you feel yourself to be a stateless person and you belong to no country. Where do you belong now? How do you sense the world around you? Beirut answered, I always imagine the world map. I always imagine a tiny island and a prison in the tiny island. It's where I am at this moment. Three years ago, when the local people attacked our prison and killed a person and injured 100 people, the guards took us to a soccer ground outside the prison. That was the first time we had been out. They gathered 900 men on the soccer ground for a night. 
on that dark night, I was looking at the sky and I felt that there was no place in the world for me. They even took away my prison. I felt that I don't even belong to the earth. And I was looking at the sky and imagining another planet. Three years since that night, I'm still imagining the world map. I'm still imagining a tiny island and a prison in that tiny island. But I'm still alive and I have changed my mind and I feel deeply that I belong to the earth. I belong to nature and I believe in solid ground. I think we are human and don't have any shelter but humanity. We have to trust in humanity and love humanity. I have had people from around the world and Australia sending messages to me, sharing their kindness with me. And I think that I belong to this world and I belong to the humans beyond the political borders. I am a free man. Yes, freedom. This is what we are here for. We stand alongside our brothers and sisters and we call for an end to this brutal, unjust and inhumane imprisonment. We call for freedom. Thank you. Uh, the meaning of the song is, uh, I wish there should be no war in my country and I should not be forced to left, leave my homeland. I should stay in my homeland always. There should be no war in my country. So the, this is the, the main title of the song. Tani khurshid ra basta bazanjir Nawai ghurbatu isi judai Batash me kashat jani musafir Batash me kashat jani musafir Hai Musafir Vai Musafir Vai Musafir 
دلش میخواست جنگ هرگز نمی بود بداشکست و فنگ هرگز نمی بود کبوتر کسی با تیر نمی زد بجانیشش سنگ هرگز نمی بود بجانیشی شسنگ هرگیز نمی بود وای مسافیر وای مسافیر وای مسافیر های مسافیر وای مسافیر وای مسافر Hi, I'm Ruby from Fitzroy Primary and you're listening to Community Radio on 3CR. A weak solidarity, Briggy Team listener, when Socialist Party Supremo and would-be big Supremo, Anthony Albingusi, left us with a very difficult little quiz as he launched a few policies, or what passes policies, while the acolytes greeted him like an emperor. Listener, which bit of renewal, not revolution, was totally unnecessary? Rosa Luxemburg would be turning in her grave. As an aside, many years ago I alighted from the India Pacific and in a bus down to Adelaide was reading Reform or Revolution, then put it in the net thing behind the seat in front of me and later realised I'd left it on the bus and I've always thought, I wonder what the person who found it thought of it. A revolution, of course, in retail, with the buy now, pay later splurge of entrepreneurs whose sole concern is to see people able to obtain goods without having the wherewithal to pay for them. Great entrepreneurs like the pair who launched Afterpay Big Time, with just the minor problem highlighted early this week with reports many people were getting into difficulty as their payments fall behind and they are being pursued by that most respected of professions, the debt collector and charged all sorts of interest and late fees and the usual array of charges society demands from those who, through every fault of their own, happen to be poor. So the week started with news the poor were getting into trouble with buy now, pay later, which doesn't seem to be too much different from what used to be called higher purchase, but anyway, people getting into trouble, but ended on a positive note. The Troubler was a capitalist review gave its business person of the year jointly to those wonderful entrepreneurs who launched Afterpay Big Time and who are collecting a mere $39 billion in a takeover by a U.S. of the U.N. of the U.S. of the World Company, a mere $39 billion more than the non-wealth of their customers being pursued by the debt collectors. Their sense of social responsibility has been justly rewarded through this prestigious award, and we pass on the week that was as sincere congratulations. The good heavens, what a surprise department of the week. Well, let's be honest, when US of big supremo Joe Biden 
uh, capital made the stunningly surprising, although not the surprise of the week announcement no one saw coming, that the US of would diplomatically boycott the Winter Olympics in evil China and asked its close friends to consider following suit. Hands up anyone who seriously thought independent thinks for itself we won't be dictated to true blue Aussie would immediately obey its Washington master. Yet scuttle them, Constable Duffer and the usual Yankee file acolytes couldn't make the announcement fast enough. Good heavens, what a surprise. And boycotting the game should do wonders to patch up our difficult trade relationship with our biggest trading partner. Although that's stretching the definition of partner to breaking point, given Constable Duffer wants to invade the place without upsetting the trade relationship. But then we all know Constable Duffer's Mensa material in the thinking department. Every time he opens his mouth advocating invading your biggest trading partner. One of his competitors in the Mensa Stakes, Hayseed and Sheepshit Party Supremo Barnacle, has been forced into 10 days isolation in the US of with COVID. And we've almost got to feel sorry for him. Almost. Because we have to feel sorry for anyone stuck in a room for 10 days with Barnacle. Even Barnacle. Wonder what Scummo must have thought when he saw French Big Supremo Mac wronged by Scummo palling up to the Saudi clown prince, obviously preferring a dictator murderer to Scummo. Surprising. Like as we mentioned last week, those shots of our Big Supremo wandering aimlessly around in Rome and Glasgow, desperate for someone who would talk to him. Because according to one of our very favourite philosophers on how government can make it easier and easier for him to make a fortune, retailer Solly your money down the loo, Scummo has saved Trublawazi by handing him Solly the public purse in JobKeeper, making Trublawazi the envy of the Western world. That is, the world that avoided Scummo in Glasgow like the plague. Well, we know how much they envy our climate change, if there is such a thing, policy or non-policy. And Solly told us that with that happy, happy smile on his face, that we must re-elect the caring business class government. The name says it all, caring for the business class. But Solly pointed out he had worked with Socialist Party governments in the past. There have been some brilliant big supremos, Nuclear Hawk himself, the world's greatest, worst ex-treasurer, Paul. In my time, they were brilliant. Showing yet again how Nuclear Hawk and Paul's embrace and introduction of neoliberal capitalism fooled the caring business class into thinking they were on its side when we know their secret motive was to destroy the caring business class. They just kept it too big a secret, or more correctly, they knew if it stopped being a secret, it would no longer be a secret, and it was important to keep it a secret. Solly's new offsider, recruited from another great retailer, JB High Profit Spy, Richard Morey for us, a prominent member of the Caring Business Class Party, supported Solly's call for us all to vote for the Caring Business Class Party for Scummo, telling us we are an aspirational bunch who believe in the direct link between hard work and success. And we can be sure those workers slaving in the sweatshops of Bangladesh or dying a rigid in the sweatshops of Bangladesh or working 16 to 20 hours a day back here in Melbourne, slaving their guts out to make the fashions they can never themselves afford, would agree. So I guess this means the election's as good as over, because surely we're all going to take Solly and Richard's balanced advice. 
the esteemed global financial institution Price High Waterhouse Copper Profit knows the truth of Richard's aphorism and sweatshops. Make people work hard so Price High can succeed. See, hard work, success. You work hard, we succeed. It's, it's a smart business strategy. Making it disgraceful that a Socialist Party senator has accused Price High of running a sweatshop when all it did was pack dozens of workers, 90% from non-English-speaking backgrounds, mostly visa holders, into an anonymous office with no sign of the PWC name, requiring them to work 80 or 120 hours a week doing work for which they were unqualified, but charged the client's price high as if the work had been done by qualified workers. Now, what's wrong with that, for goodness sake? So there is the proof. Hard work leads to success, as the PwC bottom line attests. Yet, trying to undermine this wonderful success story, a Socialist Party's spoil sport at a Senate inquiry asked the PwC's Catherine Welsh on the workers, actual hours of work were 80 to 120. There were people who were substantially underpaid. Wouldn't you call it a sweatshop? And did she put him in his place? I would not characterise what was occurring there in the way that you have, Senator. Great riposte, Catherine. That'll teach the Senator for trying to question a most profitable, well, successful business model based on hard work. That Senator would probably, no guarantees here, but probably defend the right of workers to say nasty, hurtful things about their caring employer, despite the universal truth that caring employers are so caring. And as if ingrate workers would say nasty things about them. Well, a disgraceful decision in the fair work. Trubler was he no longer work choices. Just looks like it. Commission this week over a woman sacked for calling her caring employer a wanker behind his back. Wanker about her caring employer. A person good enough to put food on a living room table. Obviously said it a bit too loudly. But And wait for this. The commissioner said she had been unfairly dismissed. What a distressing precedent. This could have irresponsible, cruel, cruel workers all over the place calling their caring employer a wanker or even worse, carte blanche. What's more, the wanker had to pay her compensation. Finally, a parliamentary committee into media diversity initiated after thousands of people suggested Lord Rupert of Wapping's empire may not be quite as objective and balanced and fearless as Lord Rupert himself assures us it is, recommended a judicial inquiry, parliamentary committee led by the Greens, and what would they know about objectivity and balance? And thank goodness the caring business class party reported that Lord Rupert's empire is as objective and balanced and fearless as Lord Rupert himself assures us it is. And the socialists again showed their political courage and agreed. And well, here in Victoria, we see Lord Rupert's lack of bias every morning in his Lord Rupert of Wapping Sin. Why? He leads with the latest on the pejorative Dan Socialist government every day. Like Thursday's version, for instance. Bully boys rule Socialist Party. What could be fairer? Objective, balanced, fearless media diversity. Good morning. And you're back with Annie on Solidarity Breakfast on 3CR. I love the story about the uh, worker who called her boss a wanker. 
<laughs> and uh, he tried to fi- he she tried to fire her. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, talk about sticks and stones will break your bones, but uh, uh, names won't ever hurt you. But anyway, by the by, uh, the other uh, takeaway from the. Uh, Kevin's piece, big big story. Price Waterhouse Cooper talk about uh, the corruption infused, infusing the Western world. Uh, of course, uh, Price Waterhouse Cooper is one of the big four uh, auditing companies that have uh, inf- uh, uh, insinuated their way into government. Uh, uh, and being used over and above the public service, a huge amounts of money to apparently uh, underline the propriety of these of the actions within government. So, of course, having them actually running in a commas a sweatshop and over uh, charging their corporate customers is probably one of the biggest stories of all time in the uh, recent uh, annals of uh, Western um, governmental hijinks. Um, Well, besides allowing, you know, thousands of people die of COVID and a whole range, you know, there's more more people where they came from, of course. Anyway, moving right along, we're going to uh, finish up the uh, the second half hour of uh, the. Uh, oh, I might just have to go and answer that. Hold on, I'll be back in two shakes because uh, uh, we were looking for uh, talking to someone from the Collingwood uh, uh, Community Gardens, but nobody answered the phone. But perhaps that's them. So uh, let's. Uh, just go to a track and uh, I'll be back with you in Two Shakes of a Lamb's Tale. You may write me down in a history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me down in the very dirt and still like the dust I'll rise. Does my happiness upset you? Why are you best with gloom? Because I laugh like I got an oil well. Pumping in my living room So you may shoot me with your words You may cut me with your eyes And I'll rise, I'll rise, I'll rise, rise, rise Out of the shacks of history's shame Up from a past brooded in pain I'll rise, I'll rise, I'll rise, rise did you want to see me broken, bowed head and lowered eyes, shoulders falling down like teardrops weakened by my soul cries? Does my confidence upset you? Don't you take it off for heart? Cause I walk like I got a diamond mine breaking up in my front yard. So you may shoot me with your words You may cut me with your eyes And I'll rise, I'll rise, I'll rise, rise, rise Out of the shacks of history's shame Up from a past rooted in pain I'll rise, I'll rise, I'll 
history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may try me down in the very dirt, and still in the dust I'll rise. Does my happiness upset you? Why are you best with the loan? 'Cause I laugh like I've got a gold mine digging up in my living room. You may shoot me with your words. You may. G'day Giles, how are you? Hi Annie, how are you? Good. Now Giles, of course, is from the uh, Collingwood uh, Community Gardeners, and uh, the reason for why I wanted to catch up with you about what was going on was because uh, recently the uh, Collingwood Children's Farm had their annual meeting, wasn't it? And then they've started to uh, get rid of people's memberships. So, I mean, it's going to court, isn't it? Membership, but I assume my membership was 
professional, essentially, because I've been using it. Um, and so there's a lot of confusion about, uh, you know, who was, who wasn't a member, who could say vote in the AGM for um, racing officer positions on the committee of members. So you're just breaking up a little bit there. Um, so that, uh, I mean, this is very interesting because uh, basically you've got a, what is an organisation and a, um, a resource, the community farm, which was saved by community action, you know, several decades ago. Uh, you've got a community uh farm, uh, a community garden that's been operational for 40 years, which is now being white-handed because of some sort of belief that uh, uh, in social um, enterprise. Look, I I still don't really understand what the motivations of the People like me, who I suppose are advocating for a more, you know, community-oriented and, and open engagement in the in the farm, um, you know, administration of the of the of the community garden. Obviously, the farm is bigger than that, and, and like, you know, they've, they've got other things um, that they they operate as well. And um, I'm not trying to get involved in the farm's operations. We're, we're still just essentially trying to advocate for the for the garden. And uh, have our voices heard. Um, you know, I, I'm a relatively new member of the, the Gardeners Association. Um, you know, in a couple of years, but there's some people who've been there for decades, and some people whose you know engagement with the farm itself has been you know ongoing for for a long time. Um, and so you would imagine that as you are a resident and as people who um, you know, volunteer and spend their time at the farm, that they, they should have at least uh, the ability to have their voices heard, you know, not to be able to demand things necessarily, but, um, yeah, it's been a very difficult uh, year, I suppose, for, for the gardeners now, and this is ongoing, and, and we're, I feel like we're getting somewhere in terms of negotiating with the farm and with, you know, family association, and they're really trying to be productive about this, and uh, hopefully... Um, you know, there's a way through, but yeah, the last few weeks have been a particularly difficult um, for, uh, for the campaign um, to save the, the community garden. So, uh, I guess um, it's left the uh, members of the uh, community garden sort of shaking their heads and uh, trying to work out what's the next step. Can't hear you, I'm afraid. The uh, the uh, connection's pretty poor, I'll have to say. Let me move. Sorry. Is that better? Yeah, that is better. Yeah, so the um, farm has obligations as a member association, and so the AGM has to be held at some point. And, uh, you know, members' voices do need to be heard. 
um, and there needs to be discussion and consultation. So that will have to happen, um, I think, before uh, May next year, which is um, how the kind of court process works in terms of making sure that you know the farm meets its obligations to its members. But still, there's questions around you know who is and who isn't a member. You know, sort of records and um, management of, of member data that the, the farm seems to um, not be very clear about. Or the process is a bit opaque. Well, I mean, it's like you said, a member organisation can ha- uh, can choose to have particular members and and not have others. But how does that get? To- uh, I mean, that can't be just sort of like a despot who decides you can't be there and you can. Surely, there there's some sort of other system. There are processes for applying the membership, and then if the membership isn't approved in a timely manner, then you can also or it's suggested you can also appeal that and. You know, that's all part of the association, uh, I guess, legislation in, in the government uh, associations in the state. But look, it's really it shouldn't be so difficult to you know be involved in a local um, you know community organisation. Um, essentially, when we're just trying to advocate for the continuation of what was there before, rather than you know major change. So. Um, you know, we'll keep fighting, that's for sure. And we're not going anywhere. We, you know, we live only a couple of hundred metres from the farm gate, so it's not like we're going to just disappear. All right, thanks for talking to us, and uh, we will keep um, tabs on what's going on, okay? Yeah, no, I really appreciate it, Annie, and thanks for having us. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll keep people updated about the um, campaign, and um, we'll, you know, we'll keep fighting. Thanks, mate. Bye.
you're back with Annie on Solidarity Breakfast and we've got Shirley Winton on the line. G'day, Shirley. How are you? Good morning, Annie. I'm good. Yeah. Good. How are you? Good. And you're representing the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network because uh, today is a big day of action, isn't it? Well, that's right. Today is, uh, or this weekend has been um, uh, the National Day of Actions Against Orcas. No orcas, no nuclear submarines, no war. Um, and there are... <clears throat> Rallies, only rallies and some activities taking across um, across the country in just about every capital city. So Brisbane, Sydney, Wollongong, um, Melbourne, Hobart, Adelaide, Perth, and some of the regional parts of Australia as well, having uh, activities um, in nationally coordinated opposition to to orchids. So we hope that this is the beginning of a, um, the first steps in developing. A national, a broad national coalition of um, of peace organisations, um, environment groups, um, faith organisations, unions, community organisations um, that come together under the under that kind of very simple um, demand of no orcas, no nuclear, no war. Yeah, the announcements of uh, the Australian US. Uh, and English alliance. Well, I mean, what does orcas stand for? Because I mean, yes. it just sounds yes. like a, a, a um, wingless bird, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, Australian, UK, and US alliance. It's not even an alliance. It's actually sort of like a, a a single sheet of paper signed at the bottom, saying that give us nuclear power, so nuclear um, submarines, so that we can spy on China. Well, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a war pact, basically. Um, it's a military pact, and this is all in preparation um, for war with China. And it's not just a nuclear submarine. It's, it's, um, it's you know, AUKUS is kind of like uh, camouflaging a, a much broader agenda that they have. And the latest was yesterday's announcement that um, that Australia is now scrapping its, um, its defence hel- helicopters, you know, that they've spent millions, billions on, Taipan and replacing them with 40 pretty vicious um, Black Hawk and Seahawk helicopters, yeah. other from the US, um, and that's going to cost seven seven billion dollars. Uh, they'll all be imported, so they're not even going to be manufactured in Australia. So it's not even like currently the 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 present helicopters, Australian helicopters, are manufactured in Australia. They're going to be scrapped and replaced with 40 imported from America. And the purpose of that is to make Australia military totally um, interdependent into the US war machine. Oh, and also to prop up the uh, industrial military complex. (laughs) I mean, where would the Western economies be if they didn't have a war machine? Well, exactly, and and the uh, economy, the US, particularly the US economy and British economy, um, they're not doing too too well, particularly after COVID. Um, and the military industrial complex is uh, really, really, you know, putting the screws on, and uh, they want war apart from. So, um, so you know, the mobilisation against Orcas is really critical because Orcas is it actually. Um, it's magnified, but it's also connected all the different problems that, you know, Australian people are facing today, like, well, there's the march to war, the imperialist war. 
there's the environment and climate crisis. There's, you know, and and the nuclear subs are pretty integral to that, to the environment and climate crisis. Um, and then there's all the sustainable jobs. So they're all these really main issues that are, that we are facing um, are um, have, have um, inadvertently have been connected, brought together um, by AUKUS. And of course, the whole question of how. Of, the fact that more than a hundred billion is going to be spent on these nuclear subs, and seven billion on these helicopters, um, and this is at a time where you know um, hospitals are underfunded, schools are underfunded. You know, I don't need to tell you. People oh, it, it, it is. A, it's actually a, a real shame job that uh, you've got these governments just briskly walking towards uh, the rhetoric of war, when actually the biggest problem we have as uh, members of uh, the community that lives on Earth is the climate. Yep, that's the biggest. Threat. It's unbelievable. <laughs> well, it is. It is that it's not because. Um, you know, uh, the biggest threat to um, to corporations is the um, is the rate of profit going down, and that for them that that's that's the primary that's the primary thing, and um, without you know the constant rise in profits, um, they they you know the, the smaller companies are doomed to failure. So they're in constant competition, but they also need to produce. Commodities that are replaceable all the time, and weapons are, and wars do that as well. Yeah, so, the ordinary person has to stand up, and that's why there are these rallies today. And yeah. in Melbourne, there's a big one, uh, one o'clock outside the State Library, and there's a wonderful array of speakers. Yeah, one Scott Ludlam is speaking, um, and so is um, Dave Sweeney from the ACF Australian. Conservation Foundation, and Dave is actually going to, as well as speak, he's going to MC um, the, the meeting. Um, we've got uh, Jenny Grants from the Medical Association for Prevention of War, Dave Ball from the Medita- Mar- Maritime Union of Australia. We've got representatives from um, various organi- organisations, including faith organisations, the uh, Melbourne Unitarians, the Pax Christi, um, um, Philippines Caucus for Peace. So it is. It's going to be an important meeting, and um, we'll probably march too, march down Swanson Street, and then turn right into Burke Street, um, and have a few more speakers outside the old post office. And the purpose of it is going is of the march is to is to engage with um, with the public. So we'll be handing out leaflets explaining what Walkers is really is about. Uh, the truth about AUKUS, and that AUKUS is where the real threat is coming from, not from um, not not from China. And the real threat is uh, climate crisis. So, um, so that's going to be the, the, the focus of the of the of today's rally. But I should mention too that this is only the first um, rally. Another national day of actions against AUKUS and nuclear subs and war is being planned for the weekend of 11th, 13th of February next year. And that's the 19th anniversary of the huge uh, mobilisation, the mass mobilisation against the war in Iraq, uh, where more than half a million uh, people came out into the streets to protest. Um, and that's a very significant event in, in the 
anti-war movement in Australia and generally in, in the mass movement in Australia. And we should not allow it to be swept under the carpet or, you know, covered up because it, it's quite, you know, what we did that 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 at that time was was really quite momentous in the mo- huge mobilisation. So the mobilisation would have been equal to, um, you know, in pro rata, be equal to the mobilisation against the Vietnam War um, during the moratorium period. So well, really we'll have to finish there because we're right up to the edge, uh, to the line. But uh, we'll see you there at one o'clock outside the State Library. And yeah. thanks very much for talking to us this morning. And thank you, Annie. Thank you for letting us speak. Thank you. Bye. Uh, and yes, it is. We're up to the end of the program. Coming up next is Asia Pacific Currents. And uh, we'll go out with the wonderful Blue King Brown. You're the only dream I want You're the only dream I have In the morning when I wake up I feel you in my head All we gotta do is grow And believe it's in our souls Want a world we love we'll Say it again Never fade away listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.